everybody. Um, this is a bizarre week, and um, I'm super excited we're here, though. Uh, we had a service at 8.45. That was fun to wake up extra early today. Um, and so if you're joining us online today, uh, welcome. This is the only service we're broadcasting live, so we're glad you're joining us as well. Um, if you could let us know where you're joining us from, that would be fantastic. Um, normally, someone else comes up and gives announcements or does tithe and offering, um, but we're trying to minimize the amount of people we have here today and um, shorten the service as much as we can. So today it's me. Uh, you'll see why I don't normally do this. So here's some stuff that you need to know for this week is that uh, no youth group this week due to Thanksgiving, as youth group is on a Wednesday, and so the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is for making croissants, uh, not for youth group. And then we have um, next Sunday, just so you're in the know as well, uh, during this COVID freeze, uh, next Sunday is the only Sunday that we've decided to go online only. And it's because it'd be very hard to try and pivot and get a, as much volunteers as we would need uh, to do uh, more services than we have been. And so next week we'll be online only at 10 a.m. We'll be broadcasting live on YouTube and on Facebook. And you can watch that throughout the day or throughout the week. Um, but the most important thing for you to know is that starting uh, Sunday, December 6th, and so Sunday, December the 6th, we are going to be starting new service times. We're just we're rolling forward with new service times regardless of what's going on, uh, and we want to make more space but also provide a full service as well. And so starting the 6th, we're going to have um, our services will be at 9, 11, 15, and 5. So 9, 11, 15, and 5. And we'll have kids' ministry at 9 and 11.15, but not at 5. So we'll keep the 5 o'clock service like we have been doing, which has been going fantastic, by the way. If you've never been to 5 o'clock, it's my favorite service, actually. Um, but we're going to keep 5, but then we're going to split this service up into 9 and 11.15, um, so that way we can create some more space. And so um, thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for still showing up at church today. Um, this shows how much we desperately need each other, need to be worshiping corporately, looking at God's word together. And for um, you know, tithe and offering, I don't normally talk about that myself. We usually have um, people that do much better at it than me come up and do this. But I, I have the opportunity to do that today, and I've got some good news as well. So first of all, uh, tithes and offerings. So if you're here in-house or joining us online as a church, we just celebrate that, the opportunity to worship through giving. Uh, as a church, we truly believe in giving God our first and our best, and also believe that when we do that, God blesses the rest of what we have. And so if you'd like to give today, um, you can give by texting the amount you'd like to give to 84321. You can give on our app, FC Online. You can give on our website, or you can drop an uh, envelope with check or money into one of the different give boxes we have. We have three here in the sanctuary and one on your way out in the lobby. And so that's an opportunity and an option for you. But some, some cool news about giving is that uh, we wanted to give people an opportunity to give above and beyond for uh, the holidays. And last year we did that um, for some projects, uh, bathroom remodel, bouncy castles, safety upgrades. Last year we, we raised all the money we needed for that by the end of the year. Uh, but this year we wanted to do um, sponsor families for Christmas and Thanksgiving. We wanted to sponsor at least 10 with uh, money for meals for both holidays, in addition to um, money for presents for children. And so we were trying to raise $5,000 for that just in a few weeks. And the first week we announced that, I think we raised $800. And our pastor of outreach, she's not here, so we can make fun of her a little bit. She was like, hey, um, I don't think we're going to make the money we need in time. I'm like, have faith, young one. We'll, we'll, we'll get the, the money will come in that we need. And so 
so the next weekend, uh, we, we gave the opportunity. And that weekend, I think we had about $2,000 come in that week for it. And then um, this last weekend, we, we well exceeded the $5,000 that we needed to do that. And so instead of sponsoring 10 families, uh, we're going to sponsor 15 families now. And so we'd like to do more. And so Paula said, will you ask for more money? And I said, sure. And so if you want to give more, if you, if you haven't given to that, there's still opportunity to do so. And all of that that you give to holiday, if you give to holiday, that will go towards families that need it for the holiday season. There's a lot of people that are now out of work because of the uh, COVID freeze that have some extra needs. And so those are some things we're trying to keep aware of and helping people with. So uh, short message today. I have 20 minutes uh, and we got done uh, literally on the dot last, last service. So bear with us today as you get 20-minute message. You're going you're gonna to wish for so much more. You're going to be so excited that you'll have longer services here in a couple weeks. Um, we're looking at this series called Principles. Uh, Principles is a look at our DNA, our culture, our values as a church. And just as a reminder or, or kind of a premise if this is new for you, is this would seem kind of self-centered if we were talking about our values as a church uh, for a couple weeks on Sundays. And so, well, that's what we're talking about. The reason we're talking about it is because um, we really think that these are principles that we should be living out in the world as Christians. And so last week we talked about this DNA statement that said, we choose fun. And I heard a lot of interesting dialogue and wrestling with some of those passages of Scripture last week of what it looks like to choose joy to choose fun, to choose things that God wants us to devote our lives to as an act of worship. And so that was a fun time last week. But this week we're going to talk about real briefly what I think is the most important DNA statement that we have as a church, and that is just this DNA statement that is we are for this generation. And when you hear that phrase, we are for this generation, you might ask, well, what generation? Uh, the generation of everyone living today. And I would say, no, we're actually talking about kids. This generation... Um, we would classify and I would classify as those who are one day old uh, to those who are 21 years old. So, so really this idea from cradle to college is what we're talking about in this context when we're talking about this generation. And, and when you hear that, like somebody make a statement, well, we're for this generation and your pushback might be, well, what about my generation? And I would say, yes, in order to be for this generation, we have to be for every generation. But the responsibility of that lies on those who are older than this generation. And so you might be um, this generation, uh, Gen Z. Uh, you might be a millennial who are just now older than this generation. You might be the best generation, uh, Gen X. You might be uh, a boomer. Whatever generation you may be, we need to choose to be for this generation. And so the statement says, youth are the church of today. So oftentimes, if you've grown up in church, you've pe heard people say, uh, kids are the church of tomorrow. And I'd say, no, they're not. They're, they're the church of today. They are our VIPs. Uh, our last service, I could not for the life of me know what VIP meant. I kept saying most valuable players. Uh, but I guess it actually means very important persons. And so youth are, are very important persons. Youth are our most fertile soil, meaning they have the greatest opportunity um, to receive what God has for them in faith. 
youth are our greatest evangelist. It means they have the greatest opportunity to reach other people for Jesus. And here's the most crucial part is youth are to be invested in by their elders. And again, who are elders? Elders are anybody who is older than someone else. So each of us are an elder to someone else. It's a phrase uh, we haven't used much as a culture, but I've actually seen it kind of come back as a culture. Uh, Elders, people who are older than us. And so you can be an elder and still be in this generation. Uh, Last night, we had the opportunity to go over to someone's house. And when we were there, um, my 15 or almost 16-year-old son, he was during that time an elder uh, for an 11-year-old boy uh, who he really used the opportunity to invest into him, even though they're both this generation. uh, The age gap between 15 and 11 is, is pretty significant. So everybody is an elder of someone else, regardless of how young that you are. And so here's some statistics I want to show you why this is so important. And um, there's an organization called the Barna Institute. And George Barna started the Barna Institute. He does research and statistics on Christianity in America, has been doing so for decades. And there's a trend that he's been watching and the organization has been watching of the age that people receive Christ. Now, the last and the most thorough study was done in 2004, Uh, There's a new report coming out on this, but the trend continues to increase in the direction that we're going to look at right now, and the trend is this, that of every Christian in America today, 43% of American Christians accepted Jesus before the age of 13. So 43% of Christians became Christians, if we can use that language, before the age of 13. Um, Now, let's look at the number or the percentage of people who accepted Jesus before 18. Um, It's actually 64% of American Christians became Christians before they turned 18. Uh, What I think is really the most important time of your life is is like 18 to 21. I think two most pivotal points are 0 to 5 and then 18 to 21 when you're transitioning into adulthood. Um, 13% of Christians, of every Christian in America, became a Christian between the ages of 18 and 21. That, that's a pretty big percentage for only about two and a half years. And so if you do the math, you're like, okay, well, how, how much percentage, how many people receive Jesus in America that are Christians after the age of 21, after their 21st birthday? And it's only 23%. So, so a vast minority of Christians became Christians after the age of 21 which if you do the math one more time, that means that 77% of Christians became Christians before the age of 21. And so if those statistics ring true, those of you joining us online or in person, we're probably, most of us are in that boat. Uh, For me, I'm in the 13% boat. I was 19 uh, when I became a Christian. And and so I fall within the 77% who received Jesus before the age of 21. And so you might say, well, why is this important? Why is this even relevant if we have such a short amount of time to to state this today? It's because whether you are a believer, you were, you know, you are, you're going to be a believer, the the greatest chance you have is before 21. And the reason why this statistic is important is because youth are so important. We have to make every effort to reach our children because the greatest opportunity, the most fertile soil, is before the age of 21. So when you look at 
uh, scripture with me, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Proverbs 22, 6, it'll be on the screen, online for you, uh, here in-house, on our app, or in your Bible, Proverbs 22, 6. I'm going to be reading from the uh, English Standard Version. Uh, the writer of this proverb, most likely Solomon, he says, uh, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So train up a child in the way he should go. Now, there, there are two opposing factions within the world today regarding this issue. And, and one faction is this really a modern idea that states that a child should be raised up in the way that they think they should go. Now, I would support that statement, and yeah, kids should be able to do what they want for a living. They should have their own dreams, their own aspiration, their own vision. But culture today says, hey, even, even a little child can make lifelong decisions for themselves uh, that will radically alter their life forever. And so a kid is just whoever they want to be, that's who a kid is. And that's kind of t- today's standard is like, well, you just let your kids be who they are. Uh, but, but if we just let our kids be who they are all the time, we, we'd end up some pretty awful kids. Um, in fact, I don't think, I, I probably shouldn't have been allowed to make any decisions until I was like 25 or 6. I got married at 19. Um, wow. Interesting. And, and so our brains don't even develop until 25. And so the Bible says, raise up your kids in the way they should go. So not the way the world thinks they should go. Not the way the government, the school system, um, the, the, the medical status quo, but raise up your kids in the way they should go. But the Bible says we are to train them in the way they should go. And you might say, well, what way is that? What way should they go? And the answer to that is they should go in the way of the Lord. In fact, Christianity, before it was called Christianity, was actually called the way. That's what people called it in the first century. And so we should train up our children in the way, the way of the Lord, that they should go. And we need to train them up because they're harder to reach as lost adults than they are as receptive children. Your your chances of reaching someone as an adult is about 22%. But on the flip side of this, this also means we, we shouldn't raise up our kids in the way we think they should go either. How many of you have seen parents before that they have their poor kids doing all these things that the parents wished that they could have done when they were kids, and so the parents are actually living vicariously through their kids and pushing their kids through sports that they come to find out later on their kids actually never enjoyed. So we don't want to teach our kids in the way we think they should go. We don't want to teach our kids in the way culture says they should go, but we need to train up our kids in the way Scripture says they should go. And as we embed that into their lives, they'll start to determine where they should go and where God is leading them, and then we can help them along the way. And so the church ought to be a place, the home ought to be a place where we can raise up kids the way they should go, not the way everybody else is telling them to go. So this means we need to put utmost emphasis, utmost importance on teaching our children about Jesus and protecting our children from harm, from false doctrine, from bad influence and from evil. My wife and I had uh, some family come to our house yesterday, and there's a six-year-old little boy who wanted to pray for us before he left. And, and he prayed as he was leaving, God, get rid of the coronavirus. And I'm like, amen. We need more kids praying that God gets rid of the coronavirus. And 
if it involves being in Hawaii, like, then I'm there. That's the virus I want to have. But um, the coronavirus. And so this kid had more faith than, than the vast majority of the world that's terrified right now. He prays and asks God to do something about it. I was listening to a story of some children that haven't been in church in you know, eight or nine months this week due to COVID and begging their grandparents to, to sing worship songs to them because it's the only place when they're with their grandma where they get to hear it. Kids have an amazing amount of faith. So youth are the church of today. They're our VIPs, our most fertile soil, our greatest evangelist. Jesus was for this generation. Jesus felt the same. Matthew 18, 1 through 4. This is the passage we'll look at as we wrap this up. Matthew 18, 1 through 4. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so Jesus called a child and put the child in the midst of the people and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so what, what the group, what the people that gathered, uh, what the disciples were asking, who is the greatest, they wanted Jesus to say, oh, it's you, Peter, it's you, James, it's you, John, it's you, Simon. But that's not what Jesus said. Oh, you want to know who's greatest? Those who are children are the greatest. Jesus literally said children are are very important persons. The greatest people alive are actually kids, or at least those who have childlike faith. They are our VIPs. They don't just have the potential, but they are the most fertile soil. These are the greatest. They've got the greatest opportunity now and the greatest potential in the future to make an impact and a difference in the world. And if you want to come to my kingdom, Jesus says, you first need to become like them, become like a child. Matthew 18, 5, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So are you an elder? Well, who's an elder? Are you older than someone? If you're an elder, invest into kids. Receive kids when they come to you. Last week, we had this message, we choose fun. And last week at 10 o'clock, there was there's literally so many kids here at church last week. And they came up um, to the sanctuary, a lot of them did after church, into the lobby, and the kids just went wild after church last week. I don't know what you gave them before they came here. But like every bit of old, uh, curmudgeon Scrooge-ish, adult bit of my heart wanted to say, you kids all knock it off. But this pastor just spoke on We Choose Fun. And some parents were getting nervous. I'm like, hey, chill out. It's, it's cool. If they don't think this is fun, they're not going to want to come back here as adults. It's okay for your kids to be kids at church. It doesn't mean that they should be, you know, creating chaos or, or being disrespectful. But, but actually, we just preached a sermon last week about how fun is an act of worship. And so they may have been wrestling and tumbling on the ground, but it truly was an act of worship because they were enjoying God's creation. They were enjoying God's goodness. And so let's let kids actually be kids. I was talking with one, one, uh, one of you last week, had your baby out in the lobby. I'm like, hey, it's, it's cool if your baby makes noise in the sanctuary. Like, kids make noise. And you may have been from a generation that says children are to be seen and not heard. That didn't work out so well for those kids when they grew up. 
So we need to allow kids to be what Jesus actually calls the greatest. And so Matthew 18, 6, Jesus says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, this is the same story, he receives them, whoever causes one of these kids to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone or an anchor fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus, that's pretty harsh. Oh, yeah, because we need to be harsh to people who are harsh to kids. If you're an elder, you need to protect kids at all costs. They are our most important people. They're not our future. They're our now. They're our present and the greatest present God's given us. And so you see someone messing with a kid, Jesus says, you really don't want to be that person. And so we don't want to just see them as VIPs, fertile soil, good evangelists. We want to see them as people worthy of protection, protecting and looking out for kids. And especially like for men in the church, men need to be looking out for any time where a kid might be in danger so that we can rise up and protect. I honestly believe that's one of the roles of the church is to help and partner with parents in protecting and raising up and teaching children. So then Matthew 19, the next chapter, this idea of kids continues in verse 13 through 15. It says, Then children were brought to Jesus that he may lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. Don't stop them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. That's what he'd already said. If you want to get into the kingdom of heaven, be like one of these, and this is where the kingdom belongs. And so it says, And Jesus laid hands on them and blessed them, and he went away. So Jesus invested in children. When people were like, Jesus, no, the kids are going to distract people. The kids are going to cause problems. These kids are, are just wild. They need to be seen and not heard. And Jesus says, no, this, it's all right. They, they can come to me. And in fact, not only can they come to me, but I, I'm going to bless them, lay hands on them, pray for them. So he invested in children. And so I would just ask you, are you investing in children? Are you welcoming children and not rebuking them? Jesus blessed children. Are you blessing children? Are you actually stopping and blessing them and praying for them? Jesus didn't see children as distractions, do you? Jesus actually saw children as his ministry. And in the Western church, sometimes we see the adults as our ministry. But Jesus saw children as his ministry, and he ministered to their parents and to the adults that surrounded them. So we are for this generation. Youth are the church of today. They are our very important persons. They are our most fertile soil. They are our greatest evangelist. And they are to be invested in by their elders. And that is you. So as, as I pray and as Casey comes up and sings one more song, and as we're right on time too, this is amazing. 20-minute sermons. Just wait. Just wait two weeks for the 45-minute one. So what are you doing to invest in kids? You know, the reason why these, these kids last week after church went wild in our sanctuary and in our lobby is because they're not seeing a lot of other kids right now. 
my son was interacting with a kid this week, and that kid just came alive. And I watched him go from being depressed to being very much joyful, and it's because he hadn't been around a lot of kids. So what can you do right now to make sure that you are for this generation during this very bizarre season we're in, uh, that whether good or bad, we, I think we, we can all agree it's not good for the psyche of children. This is not good for kids. So what can you do to support kids now? And you might say, well, I, my kids are out of the house, or I've never had kids, I'm not going to have kids. That's all right. But what can you do to be for this generation now? One thing that you can do is just observe, watch. You might not be able to go over to your neighbor's house as an adult and say, can I play with your little boy or little girl? That, that's going to freak that parent out. They're going to be getting the millstone out. But what you can do is observe and be there to support that neighbor. Hey, can I, just to bless you, send you something for your family, for your kids? Is there anything I can do to support you? Um, here's a gift certificate to take your kids to. Like, even if you don't have kids, you can support kids. You can support children in your neighborhood. You can be there for your grandkids, for your nephews, for your nieces. Some of the greatest influences in my life were, were uncle, aunt, and big brother, and big sister figures. Do you have someone in your life like that that you can have a unique relationship with that's different than what you can have with your own kids? My kids have that, and aunts, and uncles, and friends, that those are invaluable relationships. So what can you do in this season to be for this generation? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the time we've had today to look at your word, to be encouraged, and to hear your instruction on how we ought to treat those younger than us. God, show us the responsibility we have as elders to invest into those who are in this generation. So God, from every child who's just born to graduating from college, God, may we as adults, as followers of the way, um, raise them up in the way they should go. Do so lovingly, gently with much support allowing them uh, to be themselves but to also be who you want them to be training them up in the things that they need to know how to do while not losing their own identity and their identity be found ultimately in you god so we pray for every child that your spirit would draw them to you thank you jesus that you encourage us to be like them in your name amen